Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Megdahl, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter, at Locked On WBB. You can like us on Facebook, Locked On Women's Basketball. And of course, go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes, your podcast listen of choice. Uh, the more that you subscribe and the more that you review us, uh, the more people that get to hear about us and about women's basketball as a whole, which is what this is all about. Uh, someone who knows all too well about how to get the word out and how to grow the game is here with us today. Uh, Coach Brenda Fries of University of Maryland, thank you so much for being with us. Kyle, thanks so much for having me. place I'd love to start is some of your early basketball memories just growing up in Iowa, what is the first memory you have of the game, and what really brought you to it? Well, I, I would really say two two things. Um, I remember kind of the first uh, YWCA y, <laughs> league that I played in. It was a boys and girls league, and just remember how frustrating it was to be able to make a layup, a right <laughs> hand and left hand, and just how really difficult it was, and how I was I really wanted to to master it and then the second one would be you know my dad had put a hoop with a strobe light you know once we kind of started really finding a passion for the game and just you know countless hours out on our driveway late at night our poor neighbors bouncing the ball uh, shooting hoops you know just uh, you know uh, winning you know buzzer beaters game winners just uh, you know putting in a lot of time and in terms of having that big family were the games particularly competitive within the family, and do you think that drove you to become the elite athlete that you became? Uh, no question. You know, I grew up with five other siblings, so I had two older sisters and a brother that all played sports and basketball as well. I got to, to watch them, and then I think, you know, for the, the last three, my sister Marcia and I were two years apart, mm -hmm. so you know, a lot of one-on-one -on -one contests, uh, you know, that were extremely competitive that, uh, you know, I think, it, you know, instilled even more of that competitive spirit. Now, there, correct me if I'm wrong, were no sports you didn't letter in in the history of the world. Is that correct? You, I think. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> well, I, you I, know, um, back, back then, I mean, you didn't uh, specialize, which I love. I, right. I still... Uh, you know, a proponent for, for, you know, to play multiple sports when you're in high school. I mean, I played basketball, volleyball, track, softball, um, you know, cross country, did, you know, just enjoyed them all. And, and I think it really helped in terms of, uh, you know, being well-rounded. When you think about that, just in terms of somebody, let's say, who wants to grow up to play at University of Maryland, when do you think specialization should happen, just based on everything you've seen and experienced? <clears throat> Well, nowadays they tell you sooner than later, but, you know, I'm going to use the example of Tori Walker-Kimbrough on our team who played three sports in high school all four years, and, you know, she's getting ready to, you know, uh, she's mentioned in every category, again, ready to be drafted, All-American status, and, um, you know, I, I don't think you, you have to settle. I mean, uh, you know, I think when you want to play multiple sports, uh, I think it makes you well-rounded in, in terms of what you're doing. I totally agree, and obviously Shatori is a great example of that. In, in terms of you and your hopes and dreams as you're in high school, are you thinking about coaching as a career path then? Is it something you went to pretty quickly after uh, your time at University of Arizona, uh, or did that come a little bit later on for you? You know, I think like most young people, uh, you know, I was really fortunate. I had uh, an incredible high school coach, Paul James, at uh, Washington High School that – 
you know, uh, emulated. I thought uh, coming from him, man, one day I want to coach high school and and uh, really have an impact on people's lives. Uh, you know, I, I, I could feel that. But it really wasn't until I got into college at Arizona and I ended up uh, having four foot surgeries and um, seeing the other side in the locker room and watching coaches, you know, speeches and watching them in practice uh, when my career was cut short that, you know, I started thinking about, you know, you know what, maybe I can do this college thing. I mean, I, I can do it at another level. And uh, so it was really through that adversity of an injury that, that kind of brought about uh, the coaching bug to, to try to do it at a higher level. And getting that opportunity as young as you did at Ball State, take me through what that process is like just to be a leader at such an early age, number one, and number two, how you managed to turn a team from an eight-win team into a 20-win team overnight. Well, you know, I think nowadays it's pretty rare, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I was uh, it was before I, I was even 30. I remember being a head coach at Ball State, so, uh, you know, or, you know, late 20s. So um, I think you don't know any better, obviously, which is a, a great thing. Uh, but, you know, I can still think back to, you know, my first team meeting at Ball State, and, I mean, I was nauseous. I was so nervous. I was so anxious. Uh, to to be ready to deliver that first speech to to our team, and you know now you you do a million uh, you know within your time of what you're doing, but just the the raw jitters and and the nervousness. But you know I think I'm I'm fortunate. Um, you know the background of my family and the work ethic and the the passion and the confidence that my family instilled in all of their children. I think really helped propel me as a head coach when you talk about entering a room and and uh, really trying to instill confidence in others and um, really you know preparing them for for what's out ahead in terms of your growing up in Iowa and you coached at Minnesota and then Maryland made the move uh, from the ACC do you think there's something that keeps on bringing you back to the Big Ten <laughs> yeah right uh I never thought about it like that, um, uh, but well said. You know, when you talk about growing up there and my my stop at Minnesota and, and then the transition. But you know, I'm a firm believer. You know, uh, you know, you welcome change, and I, I know when when it first happened, everybody um, when you make a conference shift, they, they're you know uh, you know alarmed or change is scary for people. But I've always welcomed it, and it has been an incredible move for us. Um, both personally and professionally. Uh, I'll say personally, you know, when you've had a son who's gone through cancer and, you know, now the Big Ten allows full circle just uh, like we've had when you can go back and uh, to Iowa where you grew up and play, Minnesota, Nebraska, Illinois, Northwestern. I mean, we have all these trips that now we can, you know, fold my family into with the cousins, with my parents who are aging and um, it's not just about the game itself, but the time that we get to spend together around what normally is, you know, a stale hotel room and watching right. films. So it's um, it's really been a blessing. I'm sure. And and a happy uh, moment to be able to go back to Iowa, although uh, certainly you guys, to a certain extent, <laughs> devastated the home fans with a lopsided win. But overall in the Big Ten, even just on the court, where you guys have been, I believe, 50-7 and seven since you moved uh, to the Big Ten. Is this what you expected when the move came along? Big Ten's obviously a terrific basketball conference, but if, if moving from the ACC, which is similar, if not uh, even slightly more highly regarded by many, what did you expect going in for the program and 
how has that related to the way it's gone for you? You know, um, you know, I don't know if I had any expectations, obviously, of where we would fall. I think the biggest thing we've always uh, done as a program is just we we want to be great and we want to compete, and and by doing that is you want to work really hard, and I think. As a result uh, of that, you know, great things that have happened for us uh, with the conference shift. But, you know, I've just been amazed. You know, I kind of forgot, uh, you know, having been away from it so long in, in terms of, you know, the first game uh, w- when we entered into the conference, we played in Nebraska in front of 8,000 fans and the Big Ten Network and, and uh, just the exposure we now receive. I mean, we never had that in the, in the past. And, you know, these arenas we're playing in are packed. So we've really enjoyed the, the change, I've got to admit. I mean, I love the ACC, but um, there's some elements that just kind of make, you know, it a lot more fun in terms of the, the arena and the exposure that, that, that we're now receiving that um, we, we really, really enjoy. Do you think you find it easier to get your message out, uh, even across the country, between the Big Ten Network and, like you said, it, it's a different geographical footprint I would imagine that it's a challenge to try and think about ways to change or even reinvent the program after you build a national champion the way you did uh, with the ACC. Has that changed, and have you noticed anything external as well? Yeah, um, you know, I think, you know, geographically where we recruit uh, is a little different now, but I will say the exposure that we're now receiving uh, from the Big Ten Network, I mean, I've been uh, amazed at how far it goes mm-hmm. to the West Coast, to the you know to Canada, the um, some of the doors that that I never knew existed within the Big Ten Network. So that's been a pleasant surprise. Just uh, not fully grasping before we went into it, just um, how many more doors it was going to ex- uh, expose us to in in terms of the the exposure that we're now receiving. In terms of the similarities, and something that has been a repeated success for your teams through the years. Your teams always have huge rebounding margins, especially the teams that do particularly well, whether it's the groups the last couple of years, the final four teams. And I'm wondering whether when you start to build a team and put together a roster, is that the first thing on your mind in terms of skills for the players you're looking to bring in? You know, it's an important element. I mean, uh, you know, I, I do. I, I like, um, you know, the size and length and kids that, that can rebound out of area. So that probably jumps out at me uh, more times than not when, when I'm recruiting a kid, uh, you know, to, to be able to see that extra effort, uh, the motor that, that they'll get to, to be able to go get the basketball. I, I think, uh, you know, I mean, we've been obviously very fortunate to, to recruit a lot of great players that, that possess those qualities. Specific to that idea, is Bree Jones essentially the platonic ideal of the Maryland player, given the extent to which she is not only such an effective rebounder, but also her efficiency on the offensive end, which is the other hallmark of the teams you put together? Yeah, she's, I mean, no question. I mean, when you look at, uh, you know, how efficient she is, I mean, you know, over the course of her career, you know, being up there top three in the country in terms of her field goal percentage. I mean, she just doesn't take bad shots. And 
than when when you talk about right now she's a double double every night i mean yeah. she's uh, able to go and get those weak side boards you know be able to get those putbacks so giving you a, a lot more extra opportunities uh, and shots at the basket i mean the craziest number to me out of your season so far is when she put up 42 points and she did it on 19 shots does <laughs> I, I mean, you just never hear of anything like that. And, and, and between her efficiency and Shatori's, you know, who is right up around 70% in terms of true shooting percentage, but obviously gets at it a very different way. Is that the key in your mind, if you sort of put those together? It's a question of if uh, maximizing every possession that you have, or is that just simply a, a happy accident of those two particular skill sets coming together for this particular <laughs> team? Yeah, um, I would say a blend of both. I mean, first I'll say Bree Jones is 42 points. I thought were the quietest 42 points uh, that I've ever seen mm-hmm. when, when you go back and, and look as she played. But um, I think it's a credit to those two players. I mean, if you saw the amount of work uh, they put in, uh, it doesn't happen by accident. Those, those two are in the gym constantly working on their game and, and setting the example uh, to our program. But um, you know, I, I would say between, you know, how they shoot the basketball and then, you know, it is, we, we spend a lot of time talking about a good shot versus a great shot. And, uh, you know, we, we really try to gear our teams in, in terms of over the course of the season to be able to understand what a great shot looks like. Specific to last year and that team that you had, take me through your thought process, not only game you play in late December where you are right there with UConn uh, up until the final minute uh, at Madison Square Garden, but right up through what had to be, I'm sure, a disappointing early end to the season and how it differed from your expectations and what you take out of a season like that. Well, you know, I, I was really proud of last year's team and the fact that, uh, you know, they they were a thrill to coach. Uh, you know, they came into practice every single every single day um you know it's interesting when you've gone through it and even now this year when i watch film on last year's team when i'm preparing for a michigan team and i go back and look at last year's team and what we did and what they did and um (laughs) you know that last year's team had some flaws i mean i mean no one could prepare losing you know a two-year starting point guard that uh averaged the most minutes and and field goal attempts and and you know you're going to take a hit and a blow as a program so Mm -hmm. Uh, we suffered with that in terms of when you lose uh, a, a guard that, um, you know, has that kind of impact on your program. Uh, it was, you know, obviously hard to be able to recover, and, and you saw our, our ending. So I thought we were able to do a lot of great things in spite of it. The, the team played really hard um, for each other. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, when you start getting into tournament play and postseason, um, some of those areas of weaknesses will get exposed. And, I think the difference in this year's team, when you talk about a Destiny Slocum at the point guard position, when you talk about um, the freshman class that has kind of come in and really brought a, a ton of energy, Aisha Small as a transfer is really starting to come on for us mm-hmm. and gives us another big guard as an element. So um, a lot of pieces that we were able to shore up to, to kind of you know go against those weaknesses from a season ago. So did you think of this team coming in, and, and do you continue to think of it as a, a team that's better on paper than even what you had a year ago, which was obviously a very successful year for you? Yeah, no question. Yeah, I just I, I think we have more positions covered, you know, on paper. Uh, all five can score. Mm-hmm. I know at times that was a limitation for us last year in certain positions where – 
people could double down on Bree and, and uh, you know, depending on which point guard we were playing between Chloe and Brene, I mean, there were, there were elements that, that they could take away from us. So, um, you know, I mean, we didn't know how quickly this team would come together with six freshmen, but uh, they have been phenomenal in terms of really accelerating that curve and um, really coming together well. And let's talk about Destiny Slocum because, really, I always enjoy talking about Destiny Slocum. And (laughs) just in terms of her progress already, the fact that you had sort of this built-in efficiency when it came to your two seniors uh, scoring, does that allow you right away to go ahead and trust Destiny because you understand, all right, look, I know I'm getting these this production out of my two seniors and and did that you think speed up your ability to let her have the reins of the offense or would you just have done that either way you know obviously I mean Destiny knew there was a a huge hole that was going to be available for her with the graduation of two senior point guards Mm -hmm. but you know you still have to be prepared and ready for it and you know, I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, when we took our foreign trip uh, over to Italy and, and played in, in games, I mean, I could tell right then uh, she was she was ready. She was prepared. You know, now you also as a coach don't know if, you know, freshmen are going to have their freshman moments and, and you know, different uh, things that, that can take place uh, with within the, the freshman season. But uh, she has been anything but a freshman uh, when you talk about how poised she is beyond her years running this team. I mean, you would think she would have had a grasp of the system for four years in terms of um, understanding where the ball needs to go, what she needs to do, when she needs to take over, who needs a shot. So um, she's just she's beyond her years in terms of experience. I mean, this says a lot, but is she the best point guard that you've ever had? She's a. I would agree. I mean, you know, I've I've coached a, a lot of great talent here at Maryland. No question. Um, you know, one of the greatest names, Christy Tolliver. When when you talk about the shots she hit in the '06 national championship game, mm-hmm. um, Christy's the best pure shooter score we've we've ever had come across in this program. I would say Destiny is the purest complete point guard when you put together. Her offense, her defense, her passing ability, her motor, her leadership. Um, she's, a, she's a full package when, when you talk about the, the ultimate point guard. And, and specific to the way you use her, something I noticed, uh, it happened both in the UConn game and I saw it against Iowa as well. Out of a timeout, what you've run, or at least what's ended up happening, is Destiny's taken and uh, made long three-pointers. And I'm just curious whether that's a call that you're making out of timeouts, how that comes about, and what you think it says about her as a player that that's what she's doing. Yeah, it's both. I mean, at first, uh, uh, you know, I'll say, like, when I saw her long threes, we, we kind of had a chat of moving up to, <laughs> to the line, and, uh, you know, just with the amount of minutes she, she takes in the season. But... You know, she feels really comfortable back there, and uh, you know that that's uh, you know for for her as we've communicated through an area where she feels extremely confident. So, um, you know, it's a blend of both. I think as we've come out of timeouts and we've had play calls, she just fully understands. You know, if something breaks down and, and she has an open look, she's going to take it. If the, if the opening's there initially, she's going to take it. So. Um, she just does a tremendous job in terms of reading the defense and, and reading what's available and, and what is needed at that time. 
Bigger picture, do you think the reason that it's easy for you to trust someone like a Destiny Slocum is a combination of winning a national championship with a starting lineup without any seniors and even more to the point, the success that you had as a very young coach? Yeah, you know, I've always been a strong believer, you know, that I don't coach, you know, based on that you have to wait your turn, you know, and there's a hierarchy and by your junior year you'll play in the program. I've always wipe the slate clean every season and it's really based on uh, what you do every day and that's in practice and in the weight room and in games and that's how you earn the trust uh, of your coaches and, and your teammates and um, so yeah it's been easy through the years that when we've brought in talented freshmen that are ready to play I mean uh, you know sometimes they'll, they'll um, you know, be thrown in the mix and, and have to figure it out but I mean most of these freshmen are more than prepared in terms of uh, you know, the truly elite ones that, that are ready to come in and, and play from day one. So when you think about the program in a larger sense, everyone talks about programs these days in relation to UConn. I've even heard you talk about it as well. Do you think about it on a day-to-day basis like that, number one? And number two, if you're measuring relative to UConn, what do you think is the tipping point that allows Maryland to overtake. Because, you know, to my mind, the program and what you've done has so much success on its own that at some level it's almost insulting to think of it in those terms. (laughs) I would agree. Um, Yeah, both. I mean, you know, as a competitor, obviously, you want to take them them down, right? I mean, we all do. You wouldn't be in, in this profession. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think we all have a pulse on, on what everybody's doing in our conference nationally. Um, I mean, we have to as coaches, but it doesn't drive what you do every day as a program. I mean, you are who you are uh, in terms of, of what you're doing. So um, you continue to, to, to do just that. And, you know, for us, um, you know, uh, you know, I loved how competitive we were in the first matchup. Uh, we're looking forward to another matchup. And, you know, as time goes on, we just have to continue to be us. We have to continue to recruit great talent uh, that, that can match and outmatch the talent that they have on their roster and then continue to, to work hard and, um, you know, put, put ourselves in great positions to be successful. Given the talent on this team and given the way the team has been playing so far, would it surprise you if you guys were not in Dallas come Final Four time? Would it surprise me if we were not? Yes. Um, we have, we, I mean, I mean, we have last year to point to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, it wouldn't. Uh, you know, we have to do the right things to put ourselves in position to, to be there, just like all the other teams do. So, um, that's our goal. I mean, we, we know where we want to go and what we're headed, but it's a 40-minute game, and anyone can beat anyone on any given night. So for us, I mean, we have to stay locked into just getting better and, and controlling what we can control. And specific to that, I, it's a little out of your control, but obviously depends on the way you play. Is the securing of a number one seed more significant and a key goal for you guys after getting the two last year and ended up in you know what was a very difficult matchup in the second round? Yeah, to me, it's never been about the, the, the seed number. It's really, to me, about your bracket. And there's favorable teams for you and unfavorable teams. And so big picture, that, that's really what I look at when it all comes out is, you know, it, it doesn't, for me, one or two seed. I mean, you know, we've been to Final Fours. We've, we've won being any, any number out there. So right. 
um, for me, it's really the bracket and, and the teams that, that you're going to face in that bracket. And, and especially when one gets overseeded the way, or underseeded rather, the way Washington was last year. Uh, yeah. Very specific, uh, and, and this is obviously the most important thing we're going to talk about. Uh, you gave birth to twins actually on February 17th. Um, happens to be my birthday as well. And you did that during a season. And I'm just wondering if you have been in contact with Lindsay Gottlieb, any conversation uh, about what it is going to mean to uh, go through a pregnancy during the year. And uh, if, if not, if you have any specific advice to her. <laughs> well, happy early birthday. Thank you very um, much. Same, to your, that, same uh, to your voice. Twins' birthday. But, um, you know, I, I connected with Lindsay uh you know, when I first heard the news and more of just excitement and enjoy the moment and, and enjoy the time. I mean, it's one of the most incredible experiences, times of your life that, that you can ever go through. So, um, you know, I like in, you know, winning the national championships at the birth of my sons was even better than that. And rightly so. I mean, it was an incredible day. So, um, but you know, we, we've connected, you know, out of that, I mean, we both have been extremely busy obviously with, with sure. the seasons, but, um, what I would tell when, when I talk to a lot of, um, <clears throat> coaches and assistant coaches and head coaches and they ask how to balance it and, you know, is just to try to enjoy the moment and, and enjoy the time. And even in the hectic part of the season, you'll never get, the window back of your time with 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 your child and so take the time that you need and and enjoy as, as much as you can um around what we juggle well coach i i really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and uh it is pure pleasure to watch your teams play so thank you very much for uh, everything that you do to to grow this game well, thank you so much, and I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And just a reminder to our listeners, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB. You can like us on Facebook, Locked On Women's Basketball. Go ahead and rate us and subscribe to us on iTunes or your listen podcast of choice. Uh, I am Howard Megdahl wishing you a lovely day.